You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. What is going on, party people? Dr. Lowe back in the house. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. I never get uh, tired of doing these shows, I gotta say. I love doing these episodes. I love bringing this content to you. And I know that you guys are loving it too and getting so much juicy goodness that you really don't get anywhere else unless you are a avid podcast listener. Thanks for joining me. Especially thank you to you guys who have been riding with me from the very beginning. I've been doing this show since 2011. It's actually so long that you, I don't even think you can find the old episodes on iTunes. I was looking for them and I don't even think you can get them previous to 2014. That's how old school we are. But we keep bringing new information and, you know, keep it fresh. Lots of exciting things happening in my world. I am uh, in my third trimester of my pregnancy now, my first pregnancy. Got a little big baby boy growing. He's a big boy too. He's in the 79th percentile. Got the picture, you know, the ultrasound. He's got these big chubby cheeks. I'm just so excited to hold him and squeeze all his fat and just love on him and kiss on him. I've been capturing a lot of my pregnancy updates over on my Instagram. So if you guys don't follow me, definitely check me out over there at Dr. Underscore Low. So D-O-C-T-O-R underscore L-O. And um, I have some fun little things over there. I try to capture a good amount of my pregnancy and some of the self-care stuff I've been doing and, um, you know, just some of the highs and lows. It's pretty wild. I've, it's it's a whole new world for me. And, um, you know, a lot of it has been really fun and exciting. A lot of it's been really overwhelming and just rolling with all the changes. I know a lot of you guys who listen are, are moms or dads, you know, parents, and, um, you know, I've loved all the, all the messages and encouragement and everything through this journey. So thank you for all of that. I get a lot of questions about what did I do to, you know, get my body into a place of preparing for pregnancy. And to answer that, it really comes down to just the lifestyle that I have over time adopted but there's different practices and habits that I have for sure implemented over the years and, um, different supplements that I have taken, um, you know, different types of types of therapies that I've, that I've done like acupuncture and other kinds of practitioners that I've seen. And also a lot of different labs that I ran for myself just to see where I was at with everything. So, but I've, I've put in a ton of work to put all of this into one place. And that is in my golden eggs fertility course. Cause I wanted to, you know, it was kind of a labor of love. And, and when I was creating the course, I was actually not trying to get pregnant. I was just doing all of the research about what can a woman and, or a couple do to get their bodies into a really strong place to where fertility is just magnified as much as possible to where egg quality is as good as can be. Sperm quality is as good as can be. Cause it's about the quality of the egg and the sperm, not necessarily how many eggs you have or how many sperm you have. I mean, those are factors, but the quality in my professional opinion really trumps the, the amount that you have. And, and that I think is really empowering to, to anyone who is going into the fertility space because that you can control, you can completely control the quality of your eggs and and your sperm. So that's what the course is all about. If any of you listening are like, you know, I want to have a kid at some point, 
I think I do. Maybe you're not sure, but maybe you just want to do whatever you can to, you know, stack all the conditions in your favor, improve the quality of, of the eggs and sperm to where once you're in a place that you're ready, you can go ahead and make that life transition. Maybe you have been trying and you're, you've been having a hard time. You know, maybe you've gone down the road of IVF or IUI and you've had a hard time, or maybe you're thinking about freezing your eggs. These are all really common places to be in. I want to relieve fears and, you know, talk about what you can do right now to start to, you know, set a really strong foundation. So I would love to share my course with you guys, goldeneggsfertility.com. Head over there and, um, you know, there's the whole page giving kind of an outline of everything that I talk about, but I, I give you a deep dive into how your hormones work, all the major body systems that affect your fertility. I talk about the different supplements that, you know, are recommended, uh, which labs to run, which labs you can actually take to your conventional doctor for them to run, and then which are more of the specialty labs that I run for my patients. I talk about how to improve sperm quality. I talk about, you know, proper detoxification and so, so much more. So I would love to have you as a student and teach you. So check me out, goldeneggsfertility.com. And with that said, I want to give some love to our show sponsor before we jump into the show. So Organifi, I absolutely love them. Um, I'm sure you guys have remembered Drew Canoli. He's been on my show a couple of times. He's the CEO of Organifi. He's a good, dear friend of mine. He's actually an ENFP, which is the same personality type as mine. I'm obsessed with Myers-Briggs, anything personality related. Um, he is like a unicorn man, but he created this company with so much passion of wanting to just help people. And he has an amazing health story himself. And I just love to support anything they're doing. They do a ton of work with charity. They, um, you know, are always doing a bunch of giveaways. They just love just being generous and just helping people. Um, so if you know Drew personally, or if you guys have, you know, been customers of Organifi, I'm sure you have loved what they have created. They, they make such amazing products like their greens drink. I'm obsessed with every time I travel, I always take some with me. They have incredible probiotics. Their uh, uh, biotic balance is just one capsule a day. It's 50 billion microorganisms, which is really, really high. I mean, you get at the most like maybe a, a billion in, um, in, a, in some yogurt. So it's like 50 servings of yogurt without the dairy. So you don't get all the bloating with the dairy, but you get all those good bacteria. They have a Reds drink, which is a really high superfood, um, you know, high antioxidant drink. And then I love their Organifi Gold, which is their turmeric reishi drink that you do at nighttime. It just really helps you to kind of get in that cozy sleep vibe and it really helps with sleep and it's very anti-inflammatory. So, so many good products. I highly recommend you check them out. So you go over to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and at checkout for any of their products, enter Dr. Low, D-R-L-O, and you get 20% off your entire order. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And let's jump into the show. We're talking all about self-care, finding the right kind of exercise that resonates with you. And just, you know, we talk about really fun things like what we're both currently reading, daily practices that you can, that you can implement to start taking better care of yourself. And also most importantly, the mindset around these habits and you just really loving yourself up. So let's jump into the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have a really fun guest on the show. I am, I love, you guys know, I love movement. I love exercise, especially Pilates. And we'll talk a little bit about Pilates. Movement has been such a life changer for me. I've found out, 
you know, about how much I love ex- exercise when I was in fifth grade, getting up in the morning and doing step aerobics <laughs> before going to school. I think my parents thought I was crazy, but I just loved it so much. And it's been a lifelong just love of mine. So I'm excited to talk about this topic. And, and I know for a lot of you guys, you love fitness, you love exercise too. And for some of you, you just don't, it's just not your thing. And you might have some stuff that's attached to this topic that is, you know, just not the most comfortable. I mean, we have so much programming in our culture about, you know, body image and, you know, what kind of exercise we should be doing. And it just, there's a lot we want to dispel in this show. And, um, yeah, and just, and just really dive in and talk all about this. So my guest is Kathleen Trotter. She's a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, life coach, certified Pilates instructor, and overall health enthusiast. Her passion is to motivate others to find their fit and work with clients ranging from endurance athletes to individuals living with Parkinson's and osteoporosis, from kiddos to elderly, you name it, she works with it. She also writes for The Globe and Mail, in Huffington Post, she blogs for Phlegm and Fitness and makes regular TV appearances. And she has a master's from University of Toronto and a nutrition diploma from the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. She has a couple of books, Finding Your Fit, as well as her recent book, Your Fittest Future Self. So we'll talk all about her new book. She lives in Toronto and she owns a personal training studio. And you can learn more about her at Kathleen Trotter, T-R-O-T-T-E-R.com. And that's Kathleen with a K. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Oh, my pleasure. What an introduction. I'm like blushing. You make me sound like an adult. Honestly, I'm often proud of myself that I put on my pants in the morning, you know? It's like... Same for me. I feel the same too. I'm like, I feel like a 12-year-old and I'm, you know, 38. I have a baby on the way, which is crazy. I have this practice. I'm like, what? how did this all happen? But... And I know I was so we were talking before the show about how just unbelievably grateful we both are. Like we have such amazing lives that we get to spread our love of health and wellness. And I loved in your intro, what you said about loving exercise. And I think that, you know, if people get anything from my talk today is that it's almost impossible to have a sustainable health and wellness path if you don't find things that you enjoy. And I think yes. so the problem with this the fitness discourse is that it's, you know, it's about shaming people and people think they have to, you know, fit a square peg into a round hole. Like they have to do the workout that their dad or their brother or their sister or their favorite celebrity thinks is quote unquote, the best workout. Yeah. But find things that you love and you can find things that you enjoy. You're going to be so much more likely to wake up in the morning and be like, Oh, I want to move. Um, yeah. if you can find ways to be active with your family and that's why I called my first book, Finding Your Fit, because it's really about finding what works for you. You know, I, I use the idea of, you know, you have to stay in your health lane um, and yes. be the best sort of fittest version of you. Um, I often use my parents as this great example of like, you know, my dad, he's like 75 and he plays hockey four days a week. And my mom like gardens and walks, a, walks her dog and does yoga. But they're very different versions of fit, but they're both, you know, they've embraced this concept that daily motion is a non-negotiable. It's just how you do it is up to you. And that's really what the first book is all about is that you find what works for you and you embrace that like something has to be done. Um, that daily non-negotiable motion, you know, that is a given, you know, it's not, will I exercise, but it's when will I, but how you do it is yeah. 
is up to you. And it's about finding the things that you, you enjoy, or at least things that you don't absolutely despise, you know, right. sure a lot of people are listening are like, what? I don't love any exercise. And it's like, okay, well, at least don't do the things that you hate. Like I use my mom. I love this story. I'll never forget it. She's like the most, most supportive mother. She comes to everything. She'd come to my step classes. My st- I, I started as a step in the aerobics instructor and she'd come to everything. Right. And she'd be like, Oh, Kathleen, you're amazing. Right. She's so, so supportive. And then I brought her to a spin class. She got off the bike and she looked at me really hard in the eyes and she goes, Kathleen, I love you more than anything. But if you ever try to make me do that again, I will. I'm out. <laughs> the worst, right? Whereas like I bring some of my girlfriends and they're like, ah, spin is amazing, right? So it's, you know, if I had said to my mom that the only way she was going to be healthy is if she did spin for the rest of her life, she would just yeah. decide not to be healthy, right? Um, but if somebody told me that the way I had to be healthy for the rest of my life is garden every day, I'd be like, well, screw off. Like, I don't want to do that. So, yes. you know, it's about figuring out, I call it in the book, the four fitness personalities. You know, you got the home bodies, the person who wants to work out at home or needs to work out at home and the multi, busy multitaskers or the person who has to fit exercise into their life, you know, take conference calls as they do, as they walk, take meetings as they walk, you know, take that, the stairs, not the escalator, that kind of thing. Um, then the gym body, um, and then the sort of competitive body. So the person who wants to like train for races or, or join CrossFit or join a softball team or whatever. So, but all of it's good, you know, as long as you're doing. Yeah. And it's all good. It's, it's perfect. It's like, and, and if you're that person who likes to stay at home, you don't have to force yourself to be the person to go and do all the leagues or do, you know, the marathons or whatever. You just have that grace for yourself. And, and when someone seems to push on you what they think you should do. It's like, it's like, Hey, I'm all good. I'm, I'm doing what works for me. So I really love that. Now you have your own story of not always being into fitness. I know we talked a little bit before we started recording. So tell us, tell our listeners kind of what that looked like for you and why, why is this something you're so passionate about now? Well, first I'll say that this image of you as a five-year-old exercising is awesome. <laughs> I was 11. Okay. Sorry. 11. Yep. <laughs> uh, 11. But so far from the Kathleen of 11, I can't even tell you. So uh, my parents divorced when I was really young and I kind of ate my way through my parents' divorce. I was, you know, overweight, chubby, unhappy. I was, I'm also six feet tall, which is something that I absolutely adore in my thirties, but in my teens, I did not love. Mm-hmm. I was awkward. I just, you know, I just didn't love myself. I didn't like myself even, I, um, let alone love. And, um, I would do anything to get out of gym class, like anything. I would lie. I'd pretend to be sick. I hated being around like naked in front of my peers, like changing in the change room. I snuck food all the time. Like I would uh, walk home from school and get treats and ate the treats as I walked. And then I would have mouthwash. So my mom wouldn't like smell the food on my mouth because my mother was very, mm-hmm. uh, so it was brutal. I just, I was, you know, not a healthy or happy Kathleen. And I, I really think that that's an important thing to state because I think that people, when they look at, you know, personalities, excuse my dog, no problem. I love puppy dogs. Um, you know, they look at fitness personalities and they're like, Oh, well they must've been born fit or, you know, it's easy to them. Yeah. I always want to tell people like, it's not easy. Like I've worked really hard to find my fit, to find what works for me. And I work hard on a daily basis. So what happened was my mom, um, my mom's amazing. And she said to me, listen, Kathleen, I get that you don't want to be active with your peers, but you have to find something. We have to find a solution. And so 
one of my biggest fitness philosophies is there's always a solution and you just have to figure out what that solution is. Uh, and if you start with the idea that that non-negotiable motion is, is your goal, then you just have to make yourself figure out how to get you there. So what my mom said to me is, you know, Kathleen, you've always been better with adults than people your own age. Cause she's um, an actress. And, and so we moved sort of city to city when she had different jobs and, um, so I would go to the theater with her and, um, you know, hang out in the dressing room and there's lots of older people. And so she said to me, you know, we're going to get you a membership to the YMCA because we lived in a very small town and the membership at the Y was kind of like under five and over like 60. And she said, we're going to go and you're going to walk on the treadmill because you're going to be, you can walk, anybody can walk. And, you know, the person beside you is going to be like, you know, not your peer. So you're not going to feel, you'll feel less uncomfortable. So I started with 10 minutes on the treadmill, which led to 15 minutes on the treadmill, which led to me doing some weights, which led to me taking aerobics classes, uh, which led to me teaching aerobics classes because the person at the Y was like, you take so many of these, like you should use this as your volunteer hours, you know? So I did that, which led me to be inspired to uh, do kinesiology in my undergrad, which then led me to do my master's and my Pilates. And it, it was just really that first domino that started it all. And it's, it's one of the things that I try to, you know, give to everybody is that you don't have to start by working out for an hour. You don't have to start by even working out for half an hour. And you don't have to start, um, with this goal of perfection. You have to set your, the bar so low that you can pass it every time because every little win, you know, will inspire another little win, which will inspire another little win. Right. And, and your health bucket eventually after all these little drops of health kind of come into it will be overflowing, um, with, with health, but it doesn't happen overnight. And I think a lot of people sort of think, oh, well, you know, I'm not motivated, so I can never be motivated. And, you know, people like Kathleen are motivated and it's just, you know, either I'm fit or I'm not. And I'm like, no, it's, you know, you're always existing on this continuum and, um, it's a process, it's a journey and, and it's a privilege to be on this journey, right? Like as soon as we're not on the journey, we're dead. So you want to be moving and living and, and, and sort of, you know, trending in the right direction. It's all about trending positive. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have harder moments. You know, you're going to fall off the horse. You're going to have to get back on. Um, it's not about sort of never falling off your fitness horse, but when you fall, you catch yourself, you course correct faster, you learn from it. Um, but, but just embracing that we're all human, like really that's what it is. Um, we're all human and we're all worthy of having a fit, healthy, um, healthy life. Yes. And I love that you said that you set the bar so low that you surpass it every time. I think that's, that's so opposite of what we hear is like, you set a goal and then it's like, set it a little bit bigger that it kind of scares you. You know, it's like always pushing and pushing and pushing. And I just think that that can be good in some ways with some areas of life. But when it comes to something like this, of trying to start out with a, a, a regular movement practice, I do think it is really so great to set the bar low so you can pass it every time. And then you build that muscle and you just keep, you know, you keep, um, it's like you make yourself proud as you go along, you know, Absolutely. and well, it's, just, and I, it's so it's loving true. to yourself. Loving to but I, it's also, I think really key to understand that it's about knowing and doing you. So when I say you set the bar low enough, if you're an athlete, I'm not saying like, you know, the goal should be to just get off the sofa. Like that wouldn't be a bar for you. Right. So the bar is going to be different for everybody. And for some people, you know, the bar, you know, if you're an Olympic athlete, like the bar could be winning the gold medal. Like it's not that what I'm saying is, 
um, demean yourself and think you're not capable. What I'm saying is have realistic expectations and hold yeah. yourself to standard because you love yourself, not because you hate yourself. Right. And so for- that the worth, your worth is not connected to that bar. Right. Oh my God. No yeah. What, if you hit it or you don't, it, it has zero effect on your worth. Well, it has effect on the ability to learn and grow. Like, so yes. one of the very, very, um, I feel very strongly about is this idea of a growth mindset. So every experience, it's not your worth, it's data. Meaning, you know, if I have a cookie, um, I can say like, okay, I'm not proud that I had that cookie. Let's say I didn't want to have the cookie. It'd be different if I decided I want to have the cookie, but let's say it was like mindlessly eaten cookie that I didn't want. You know, I can say I'm not proud of that behavior. And that's the idea of guilt, right? Versus the idea of, well, I ate the cookie, so I'm a bad person. And that's the idea of shame. And that's what you're talking about. And never, ever, so should you connect a behavior to your worth. But that doesn't mean you can't decide that the behavior is something that you're not proud of or that you are proud of, right? And this is this connection of the growth mindset and sort of the meld of sort of Carol Dweck's work of of growth mindset and Brené Brown of Brené Brown's understanding of guilt and shame, right? You can decide, okay, I did an action that I'm not proud of. How do I learn from that experience uh, without thinking that you're any less good as a human being? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's what I really try to impart on all my clients is that we're all human. We're all going to make, you know, choices that we're not proud of. And the trick is, is as opposed to shaming yourself and connecting it to who you are, you say, okay, this experience is data. How do I learn from it? So, you know, if you're out and about doing errands and you quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you have to get some, a chocolate bar because you're so hungry. Then you say, okay, well, I don't want to have a chocolate bar next time. Maybe I should carry an apple and some almonds in my purse. Right. Or for me, I often find that I eat if I'm sort of sad or lonely. So what I've started to do is I have some, some friends that if I'm sort of feeling sad or lonely, I just phone them up and I'm so like, yo, I need to have a chat. And they're normally like, Oh my God, me too. I've had the worst day. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's just about like knowing sort of what your triggers might be. And then taking a moment to set up systems that are going to save yourself from that situation in the future. Yeah. Another great example is I absolutely love, um, they're called fudge bars, PC fudge bars. They're a Canadian thing, but they're basically just like an ice cream fudge bar. And I love them. And for years I would buy a box and in the grocery store, I would say to myself, Oh, Kathleen, just buy the box. You'll just buy, you'll eat one every couple of days. Like that's not a big deal. And what I realized is I couldn't have the box in my house. I would eat all of them <laughs> right away. Yeah. Um, but instead of being angry at myself and shaming myself, what I said was after many, many times of making this mistake over and over again, is, you know, Kathleen, um, you love fudge bars. They are part of what I would call my love it rule. So I'm a, I like the idea of having small amounts of things that I love. So what you're going to do is you're going to get your mom to buy a box of fudge bars. And then when you want one, you're going to go over to her house and you're going to have one bar. You're going to hang out with her and you're going to have a visit. And it's going to be glorious and it's going to be wonderful. And she's going to be happy to see you and you're going to be happy to see her. You're going to enjoy the, enjoy the bar and then you're going to come home. Yeah. So, you know, but that's a system that I set up because I know that if I have them in my house, I won't be a happy or healthy Kathleen. Mm-hmm. But I had to make that sort of quote unquote mistake a lot of times before I figured out the solution, right? But as my mom always used to say to me as a kid, like, there's always a solution. You just have to learn and grow and find it. Yeah. I love, um, um, what's, 
what's his name? Oh, uh, I'm spacing. Girl, I got pregnancy brain like no other. I have a quote. I'm going to, I'm going to bring back to you guys. <laughs> Quincy Jones. Quincy okay. Jones says, he says, I don't have problems. I have puzzles. Oh, I love and it. You look at things like, how can I figure this out? It's all good. Rather than, you know, this is such a problem. And then you bring the whole shame. I mean, shame is a big thing. I've just to keep it real, I've had to work through so much of that for myself personally. And, um, and so much of, so many of us have, have dealt with that. So I'm curious for your clients who come in and, you know, want to come in and their, their main thing is I want to lose weight. They're so attached. I want to lose weight. And they, and I have patients who come in and have this too. It's like their number one goal is weight loss. And when I look into it and look into their labs and we do our full assessment, a lot of times that, that really truly needs to be the last thing on their list for right now because their body needs to heal. We need to help get their, their hormones balanced. We need to help heal their gut, get their you know, nutrients repleted that were deficient. And then ultimately their body sheds it on its own. But for a lot of these ladies, they have been just damaging their bodies, their metabolisms by you know, limiting calories, working out way too hard and just, just breaking their bodies down to lose weight and it's making it so much worse. But what makes it so much harder is that the mindset around it, that they'll just do anything to lose weight at the expense of their body. So how do you navigate that, that, that mental piece? I know you talk a lot about the, you know, the mental connection in your books. Yeah, I think, well, I guess I sort of have a two pronged answer. I'm, I'm sort of lucky enough that I actually don't have a lot of people like that in my practice because with personal training, you know, you work with people one to three times a week and I have clients like my client, Ron, I've been working with him for 20 years. So, you know, the people who stay with me, tend to be the type of people who are willing to embody and embrace my um, understanding and philosophy of health, which is that we're more than the scale. Um, and the scale can be sort of one piece of data in the puzzle, but normally it's a domino of something else. Like, as you said, it's a, if you're not able to lose the weight that you need, it's because you're not sleeping or you're overstressed or your adrenals or, you know, your HPA access is off or, you know, your gut health is off. Or, so yeah. people who work with me have embraced that. And we talk about it as one sort of data point, but definitely not the most important. Um, and then I guess I would say the people who come to work with me more short term, because I do have people who come to do um, like program assessments and then they do, they work on their own and then they come back to me because uh, I just don't have time for new uh, weekly clients. I think again, they come to me because most often they've, they've tried everything else and once they get to me, they're just sort of ready to be like, okay, Kathleen, tell me what to do. And I'm normally able to give them enough um, science and, and data and explain it. Like sometimes I think they would have embraced exactly what you're talking about earlier. If somebody had actually just been able to sit down and, and explain it to them in a really, um, simple, but, but scientifically based manner, like, as opposed to just being like, Oh, well, you know, weight's not that important. Or, you know, like you have to first validate why the person is feeling that weight is important and also appreciate that they think weight's important because that's what the fitness discourse has taught them. So if you want them to embrace another way of thinking about weight in the body, you kind of have to prove to them. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a very positive way. Like you have to say, okay, well, here's the data and this is what's going on. And these are, this is why sleep affects your hormones. And this is why, you know, you haven't been recovering. And, and, you know, if your thyroid is low and you haven't been eating enough and that affects your whole body. And so then you're more sluggish. So you're constipated. And if you're constipated, you're like, you have to explain a little bit. And normally I feel like when I break it down for people, 
they're like, oh, okay, I get it. And they're pretty happy to have an answer. Yeah. So I guess that would be the first thing is I just really try to explain it to them. Um, and then I just, I also just go through the idea of the roommate in their head. And I sort of say like, you know, if you had this negative roommate who lived with you, you'd kick them out. Um, but for some reason, because it's somebody in your own head, you don't say like, get out, go, go away. And so we often, we spend a lot of time chatting about that and about how, connecting the dots between sort of wanting to adopt a healthier lifestyle and actually adopting that healthier lifestyle has a lot to do with um, recreating the dialogue in their head and and creating more of a positive internal uh, self-talk and getting rid of that shame. And, and if I, again, like if I show them the data and if I talk to them about, you know, Brené Brown's work and she shows really clearly that that shaming mentality will not help you achieve your goals because when you shame, you go into that shame spiral. It's like, Oh, well, I ate a cookie. I'm a bad person. I might as well eat 10 more. And then I might as well have some ice cream and then some wine. Um, Whereas if you have the growth mindset where you look at the cookie as data, then you're like, Oh, I had a cookie. Okay. Well, you know, one cookie is not the same as two cookies. I should go for a walk. I should, you know, have some water. Um, so we go through that and like, and how understanding each experience as data will actually be helpful for them on their health journeys. That's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other image I use that really is helpful for people is, is I talk about the mustard image. So I say to somebody, okay, you know, if you had a little bit of mustard, you spilled a little bit of mustard on your shirt, you then wouldn't be like, oh, well, I have a little bit of mustard. I might as well take this bottle and like dump it over my head. Right. <laughs> which is really the self-sabotaging negative brain propaganda that most of us get into with sort of everything. It's like, oh, well, you know, I've only lost half of, you know, I haven't lost any weight, so I might as well go and eat a bunch of chocolate cake or, uh, you know, I ate the cookie, like I go back to the cookie example, you know, I ate the cookie, I might as well have 10 or I missed a workout, I might as well miss another one or I can't do my full workout, so I shouldn't do any thing. And so kind of goes again, back to the self-talk because I just work with people on how to be more productive in their self-talk and how to appreciate that, that there is no use sort of shame spiraling. And Mm. um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's just about dialogue and getting people to sort of buy in, but giving them the information so that they can buy in and giving them alternative tools. Like I'm sure you do in your practice, right? Like I think part of why people are so married to that scale is that you know, if you pick up any fitness and health magazine out there, like that's the only tool most people are given. Right. Even still, it's crazy. Yeah. Like it's like, yeah, your weight, even with your doctor, like you go in and most doctors, you know, they check, you know, maybe, you know, heart, blood pressure, heart rate. And like, then they'll be like, Oh, you're too heavy. Lose some weight. But they don't take a, you know, they don't take the time. They don't have the time to say, okay, well, what's your stress level? How are you sleeping? Like, that's why they need to come see you. Like, that's why naturopathic medicine is so unbelievably key because it allows people to see the the big picture. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And even doctors are still using BMI, which is like so archaic. And, you know, I think if any, if any kind of, you know, we do, we're we're starting to get into doing, um, you know, BMI or not BMI, uh, BIA testing. So body impedance analysis. And, you know, we can see the, the, uh, the, the body fat percentage, which is helpful, you know, the intra extracellular, you know, water and all that. Um, but you know, I like the whole model of kind of the wheel where it's like, there's little, or think of it like a pie, right? There's different slices of the pie. Each one represents different parts of your life. And it's like, you know, and when all of those are all, you know, filled to the max and you have this wheel that 
it, it, it's functional and, um, you know, and you can, you can, and every person I think can make their own wheel of what works for them. Right. It's like spirituality, the mindset, physical health, you know, relationships, your home environment, financial health. I mean, it's just, just off the top of my head, but it's like when, when those are all working in a, in a balanced way, you, you feel whole, you feel like well-rounded in a way, you know, it it relieves that stress. Because if you are, you know, finding joy with friends and family, right? If that part of your wheel is, that bucket is filled up, then you're more likely, you know, to want to exercise because you're going to feel good about yourself. And then when you exercise, you're going to have the energy to go and, and maybe look at your financial piece of the wheel and like they, they, they really feed, they bleed into each other in a positive way. But if all you do is work, you know, and you're unbelievably stressed, well, why would you want to be healthy and good to yourself? Right? Like you're just going to feel resentful of the fact that you have to, you know, working out is more time that you don't get to do what you want. Right. And, you know, I think it goes back to sort of what we started with. It circles back to that idea of just finding things that you actually like and yeah. finding things, you know, you'll lean into. But I also think what's key about that wheel idea is in the end, it all stems from awareness. Like it's one thing to say, you know, you should have, you know, equal parts in all of your wheel, but I don't know about you, but most people that I I talk with, they're not really aware of their habits. They're not aware of what makes them happy. They're not aware of what makes them not happy. They're not aware of the, you know, the relationships in their, their life that are toxic they're not aware of the food that they eat and how that food makes them feel, you know, or if they sleep and how that makes them feel. And so I really encourage my clients actually to do an awareness, like some type of journaling. So even one of the things I'm really into right now is this idea of every morning you reflect on the day before and you say, okay, what are the two to four things that I did yesterday that made me a healthier, happier, more production, productive version of me? And how do I make those happen again? Right. And they could be anything from sleeping to exercise. They could be meditation. Um, They could be, you know, spending time with friends and family, whatever it is. Um, And then also taking the time to say, and now what are the two to four things that I did yesterday that made me a less happy, healthy version of Kathleen? And how can I try to make those things um, happen less often? So slowly you become aware of the things that you do that are going to create that fitter, happier future you. Um, And I, I really think that the awareness piece is key because, you know, like one of the reasons I can make myself work out is I know that I'm always going to be a healthier, happier, more energized version of Kathleen if I do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's because my therapist years ago, she made me do this exercise where I journaled for two weeks, my numbers before I worked out and before I went to work and after. So I would say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, um, I'm a one out of 10 of wanting to go to work and I'm a 0.5 out of 10 of wanting to work out. And then I'd go to work and I'd have an amazing day because I love my job and I'd do my workout. And my numbers were always um, either the same or higher after I did those two things. Um, And so now whenever I don't want to do a workout, I can say, like, I have the data. I'm always happier after the workout. Hmm. That data, that, that rationale of like, I will be happier after the workout only comes if you can become aware of it. Right. And like, I can look at a food and be like, that's going to give me energy. And I can look at another food and be like, that's going to make my stomach turn sideways. Uh, You're not aware of what you're putting into your body. You don't know that. So I don't know. I think the wheel, I think everything comes down to learning about yourself and, and knowing 
you know, what's, you know, with the exercise again, like what's your lifestyle, what's your genetics, what's your health history, what's going to work for you with the food, what's, you know, what works for you with how much sleep do you need? How much, you know, what are the people in your life that are, that are helping you versus sort of sabotaging you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I love, um, you know, working that, that journal exercise I told you, and it's, it's been really helpful for me. I now have this recipe that I call my sort of caffeine recipe for success. And I know there are five or six things that if I do in my day and in my week and in my month that will set me up for success. So what's your recipe? You, you cool to share? Yeah, okay. yeah, of course. I love, this is the stuff I love. And, um, before I tell my recipe, I, I also want to be really open. Like I, I talk very strongly about the fact that I've battled with sort of depression my whole life. I'm very biased, I think, towards depression. And and I think that that's an important thing that needs to be said too, because exercise and eating and everything, it's so much how I manage my mood. Um, anyway, so that being said, I love podcasts are a huge part of my recipe for success. So I get up in the morning and I do my, I do well, depending on the day, um, if I'm, it's a running day or a weight day or a Pilates day, but if it's a running day, I listen to my podcast when I run. So I love the New York times, the daily podcast, uh, Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes. Like there's lots of people that I love. I, I, yesterday when I was running, I was listening to your interview with Lewis Howes, which I loved. Um, and then I've definitely learned that after my run, I need at least 10 minutes of some type of yoga because uh, I'm getting to an age where I need that stretching mobility after I run. Um, and then I end that with sort of five minutes of a meditation. Um, the other things that are definitely part of my recipe is some type of pockets of joy. So I always look for different things and it could be a 30 second pocket of joy, like playing a piece of music and dancing around the house or my partner, James, I've been with him for like 20 20- could be, you know, sitting outside playing cards in the summer. So definitely some element of joy is, is really important. Um, and lately I've been trying, part of my new recipe is um, not allowing myself to hit the snooze button. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's based on some stuff I've been listening to with Mel Robbins and just about how, you know, if you snooze button, you go back into your cycle and, and then you get up and you're groggy. And so I've been playing around with setting my alarm across the room and making my alarm uh, a piece of music that I like. So when my alarm goes off, I have to get out of bed to turn it off. And by the time I get to the other side of the room, the piece of music has sort of made me like start to wag my, wag my quote unquote tail, you know, like tap. <laughs> and then by the time I get there to turn it off, I'm sort of doing a little dance. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go to bed, back to bed now. I'm kind of like half. <laughs> That's cute. So I, yeah. But it's part of, again, it's part of this whole idea of finding your strategies because, you know, I, I must've listened to her podcast about you know, not hitting this news button sort of like a month ago. And at first I, I tried, but the, my, my alarm was right next to my bed. And I kept saying to myself, oh, Kathleen, tomorrow will be different. Tomorrow will be different. And it wasn't because, you know, you have to, it's one thing to be motivated and disciplined when you're not tired and you're not half asleep and all the things, but then, you know, your alarm goes off and you're like, Oh, who cares? I'll just hit it. So what I've learned, if I've learned anything in my 20 years as a fitness professional is that you can't rely on discipline. You know, you can't rely on motivation. You have to set up systems. And so I've been playing around with my different systems. And this is the one that I think is going to, is going to work at least so far this week has been, has been pretty good. And then my afterwards, my next system is that in my journal, when I talk about the things I did the day before that worked, I make sure to note, okay, I didn't hit the snooze button and I felt way better. And I kind of underline that and that all 
is sort of motivating. So, so yeah, it's all, it's a work in progress. I'm sure my recipe in five years will be different. And then in 10 years, but those are the things. And then therapy once a month is really key. And um, listening to audiobooks is really, really key. I have a whole section on my website where I review different books and I find um, learning and growing every single day so important. What are you reading right now? I just finished. That's an awesome question because I, I don't quite know. It's one of my, on my list of things to do is to figure out my <laughs> I literally just finished this morning um, the book. It's called, um, the, uh, it's on Stoic philosophy. I think it's oh, cool. the Art of Stoic Joy or the Stoic, I don't know, Stoic Bible. I don't know, some type of that. And it's been extremely helpful, this idea of just embracing what you can control in life and letting go of what you can't mm-hmm. um, and sort of living each moment um, with this, all I can control is my reactions. Um, it's very akin to that Viktor Frankl quote of that the greatest power in life is between stimulus and control, uh, stimulus and response. Yeah. So, you know, that moment of pause where you sort of say, okay, like, I'm, what, how am I going to react to this? Like, that's my power. So, yeah, I've, yeah. I really quite enjoyed the book. Oh, I love Stoic philosophy. I got into that a couple of years ago and I just, I loved it. I have um, Ryan Holiday's book. So, uh, yeah, his, his daily actually, Stoic. That's the one I just, the daily Stoic. That's what I just finished. Yeah. Cool. I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to, I was like, what did I just, cause I read another one, um, a Stoic philosophy one a couple months ago. So I was getting the two confused, but it's definitely Ryan holiday that I just finished. Yeah. So yeah. Really- it's so good, right? Like each entry is so juicy and, yeah. and different and yeah, it really helps me to see things differently. I've recently been reading this book called not nice. Ooh, I'm gonna read- yeah. It's a, uh, the subtitle is stop people pleasing, staying silent and feeling guilty and start speaking up, saying no, asking boldly, and unapologetic, unapolo- uh, unapologetically being yourself. Oh, I love it. Okay. Right? That might be How many of us could, could benefit from that? And we're actually oh, we're reading sure. that at Shine at my, my, um, my, my clinic. We, we have a monthly book that we all read as a staff and um, talk about. Oh, you should send me your every month. I'm so, oh my oh, God. We can, <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> You're a sponge like, like I am. I know. I'm such a sponge. Yeah. 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 And I also love that book. Don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. I feel like that's such a good one. And that's part of what stoic philosophy gives you, right? It's just like, Mm -hmm. none of it is that big of a deal. Like we're all going to be specks of dust very soon. And, you know, you just have to take the moment that you're, you know, you're in. Uh, And I really, that idea of not being nice or like creating boundaries. I think that's, you know, so key with health and fitness. I think that so many people, you know, they're afraid to go to a party and say like, Oh no, I don't want that. Or they're afraid to say to a friend, you know, like, Oh, you want to go for coffee? I mean, you want to go for lunch? Why don't we go for like a fitness class instead? Or like people are so afraid of offending others. And, and what they have to embrace is that like, well, one, your health is really important, but two, um, and you have to set boundaries. But when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Like everything is this value judgment. And, you know, if you say yes to an event that you don't want to go to, you're saying possibly you're then saying no to your workout, right? Like, yeah. so I don't know. I, I think part of what makes my health life a little bit easier is that I have trained everybody that I interact with to just understand that um, you know, if I'm going to, to a cottage with a, bunch, with a bunch of friends, there'll be an email that's being sent around and they'll be like, okay, this couple's bringing breakfast, this couple's bringing lunch, this couple's bringing dinner, and Kathleen will bring her own food. Like, oh, they, yeah. everybody just sort of knows. Totally. I, like, it's that Dr. Zeus, Zeus quote, right? Which is that anybody who minds doesn't matter and anybody who matters doesn't mind. Like, yeah. I have 
anybody who's in my life appreciates that I'm going to go, I'm going to do my workout. That will mean I'm a better version of Kathleen for the rest of the day. I'm going to eat the food that I want to eat. You know, if I go to a party, I offer to bring a big salad. So I have something to eat. Like I don't eat food that people offer me just to be polite. Like, and if people care, they don't actually care about me. And and if people care about me, they're going to understand that, you know, I think health is important and I'm not going to eat French fries covered in like cheese because to be quote unquote nice, like I'm being nice to myself by saying, no, thank you. You know, like I'm not rude about it, but it's amazing how many people are, you know, there's very swept up in this idea of like, well, I have to be nice. And it's like, well, you know, and people give a lot less of a crap than we think they do. They're in their own world. They don't care. care. And again, if they do care, then they are not, you know, they're not the people that matter. Yeah. You know, Brené Brown has this wonderful thing where she has her list of five people, right? She carries around in her in her wallet. She talks about five people on a list, and those are the five people that she respects, and those are the five people that if they give her constructive criticism or they care, then she's like, oh, interesting. Like I should take note. Right. But otherwise, like haters are haters. People are always going to find, you know, it's this sort of silly quote, but it's true. Like if people are going to find things to criticize you about, they're going to find things no matter what. Like if somebody's unhappy in their own life, they are going to find ways to criticize you. Right. And that's about them. That is not about you mm-hmm. and the people that you love and respect. They're going to love and respect you. And they're going to be like, Oh, you don't want French fries. That's great. I want you to live a long and healthy life. I don't want you to have heart disease. Fantastic. Eat all the vegetables you want. Right. Mm-hmm. And the friend who says to you like, Oh no, you know, you need to have some of these French fries. Well, maybe they're not your friend or maybe they're dealing with their own stuff. Right. Like we're all lost in our own little world. You know, you and I are similar in that we have, you know, done everything we can to help manage mood stuff more of a natural way. I've, I've said on my podcast before, you know, I've, I've dealt with, you know, depression, anxiety stuff throughout my life in varying degrees. And I can say that exercise is probably the number one thing besides sleep that helps my mood. And that it would be, it's, it's easy to forget that that's what it does. It's like, I could be in a funk and then it's like, I would do a workout and feel like a completely different person. It's like, Oh yeah, I can't, I, I forgot, you know? And so, so yeah. I always say to myself, one of my key Kathleenisms is that the worse my mood, the more important the workout, right? Like if I'm in a good mood, that's the days that I allow myself to not work out. If I'm in a bad mood, I'm like, you Kathleen, you get your ass on that treadmill. You get class. But, and it's not even that it just improves my mood with myself. It improves my relationships. Like, so my partner, James and I, we have this thing, um, you know, if we're going to have a fight or one of us gets triggered about an issue, you know, I will just say, you know what, I'm just going to go for a walk and it gives the space. Um, but it also, it's amazing how going for a walk, going for a run, doing some exercise, it clears your brain and you come back and nine times out of 10, it was not a big deal, like whatever I was upset about. And then the one time it is a big deal, I'm able to sort of say in a very rational way, like, okay, here's why I'm upset. Um, and I'm not sort of moody and reactive. Like I'm very, I can respond. So it really, it's, it really is key um, to all of your interactions. And I think that, yeah. you know, if anybody listening, if I, again, sort of main takeaway would be that it's not selfish. Like self-care is not selfish. Self-care is what allows you to be the version of yourself that you want for the rest of the world. You know, I love this concept of the phrase, you have to inhale to be able to exhale. 
So if you think of exhale as things like, you know, working and taking care of your kids and, you know, driving somebody to a soccer game or doing your best work at the office, managing your employees, whatever it is, your inhales are your things like having a bath, making sure you sleep, eating well, exercise. Mm -hmm. And it's not that inhaling is more important than exhaling. Um, it's that they feed each other. So if the very rare person comes in who only inhales, like they only do things for themselves, you know, I would say to that person, well, you need to go volunteer or you need to, you know, focus more on the, I don't know if I would ever use the word need to, but I would encourage them to do things for the outside world. But most of us, that's not the case. Like most of us are so focused on work and, you know, parents are so focused on doing everything for their kids Mm -hmm. that they forget that they can't exhale with the strength and the passion um, and the love that they want to if they don't inhale, right? It's like a physiological thing. Like you need to bring air in to exhale. Um, So I love that because it really shows that cycle of that you need both. That's really cool. I've never heard that quote before, but that's great. And I I can think of, you know, patients and, and even times with myself where, where I just focus so much on self care. And it's like, really what I needed more was to be doing a little bit more outward focus, you know, checking with a friend and like you said, maybe doing some volunteering. So, so that balance is, is really important. And also there are health benefits of, of doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. So if I'm in a bad mood, the other thing I will do, um, if I ha- if I've exercised and that hasn't quite got me into the be- the best mood that I need, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to find people where I like, like, let's say I like their jacket and I'm going to go up to them and I'm going to say, I love the color of your jacket. It's an awesome pink or it's a great purple. And the look on that person's face that they yeah. give you joy of being seen, like, cause really in this world, we all just want to be sort of seen and, and heard. Right. And then me seeing that I've turned their day slightly positive is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've really embraced that too. Like, you know, I used to, when I got really depressed, it was so, it's so easy to go into your own little world. And one of the things I really encourage myself to do is if I'm having a bad day, I'll send James or my mom or a friend, somebody that I, I love sort of a gratitude note of like, you know, I really appreciate that you do X or I hope you're having a really good day. You know, can I do anything to help? Um, or just like a heart emoticon. Like it's not to be a yeah. big deal, but often appreciating that, like, I'm not the only one out there that might be having a bad day and that James might also be having a really bad day and he might just not have told me or that, you know, something has happened and that I'm, you know, it's again, it's that stoic philosophy idea that, you know, I'm not, you're not the only person in the world and that sort of the day happens to everybody. Um, and, and that perspective on the world, I, I find really, really key. And that reaching out helps me with that. Yes. Yeah, so we're all connected. We're all in this together. Oh, I love it. Such a good reminder for, for all of us, including myself. So I, I appreciate this so much and we've flown through. Is there, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Um, you guys definitely check out KathleenCharter.com, her book, Your Fittest Future Self. Um, and yeah, really dive into this for yourself. Yeah. I think my two parting words would be one, be curious. I think mm-hmm. that so many of us, as we get older, we get really stuck in, well, I'm not the type of person who does this or I only like this. And yes, yes I completely agree with the idea of what I said earlier of staying in your own lane and finding the workout that works for you. But I also really believe that you don't always know the workout that's going to work for you until you try stuff. So, you know, go out and try a pole walking class. Okay. That doesn't work 
great. You got to work out, move on. Try a Zumba class. If that doesn't work, great, move on. Um, I like to have, I call them fit ventures with my girlfriends. And we just will go try like a trampoline class or a different Pilates class. And the worst that happens is that you didn't like it. But you still got to work out, right? And but and the curiosity is about everything. It's not just about workouts. Like try new foods. You know, so many people will say to me, "Oh, I'm not the type of person who has protein at breakfast." And I'm like, "Well, have you tried it?" Like, you know, like you don't know. You know, for years I said I wasn't the type of person who does yoga. Um, I've actually done TV segments in my youth where I literally the segment was called "Yoga's Not My Jam." Yeah. Uh, and then in the last eight months, I've realized that the 36-year-old Kathleen, or almost 36 version of Kathleen, does kind of like yoga, yeah, right? Yeah, the same way <laughs> yeah, about so yoga. I'm people like, be curious and evolve and embrace this growth. Um, I think that's really, really, really important. Yes. And then lastly, the only moment you have control over is this moment. And that's why the book is called Your Fittest Future Self. Because the concept is, is that to create a fit future self, to create a different fit future self, you have to change the moment that you're living in now. And so many of us are like, oh, I'll eat better tomorrow or, oh, I'll eat better on Monday. But you know, this, what the Stoic philosophy book would say is the way you live this moment is the way you live all moments. Mm. You know, you have to, this is the only moment that you can have any control over. And when you embrace that, this is that the moment, then, you know, tomorrow will be healthier. And then the next day will be healthier. So you know, if you're letting yourself get into that sort of self-sabotage of, you know, well, t- you know, tomorrow I'll be perfect. You know, you got to say, there's no such thing as perfect. Perfection sets you up for failure. Um, there is no perfect week to start working out. There's no perfect day to start working out. You don't need to go to the gym for an hour. You don't need to even go for half an hour. You can go for a 10 minute walk. You can do some weights in your, um, your house. You know, you can do a 10 minute yoga YouTube video, um, you can even just get up and get a glass of water, right? But this is the moment. So so work on the thoughts that you're having this moment. Work on what you're eating this moment. Work on what you're doing and acting in this moment. Um, and if you make a choice you're not happy with, fine, that's data. Learn from it. Get back on your fitness horse, but course correct as quickly as possible. Um, and then you will create a fitter, healthier version of you. Yeah. You're not leaving more work for your future self to have to work through. It's like you're being loving to yourself. And also being loving to yourself now is being loving to your future self. So I love, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and, you know, and for all the work you do for all your clients and, you know, all your readers and And I'd love anybody to reach out on my website or Kathleen Trotter fitness is Instagram and K Trotter fitness. Um, is Twitter. And honestly, I love hearing from readers and, and listeners. So if you have questions, really like, you know, you can get hold of me through my website um, or any of my social media platforms and I will 100% respond. Maybe not within 10 minutes, but within 24 hours, I will get back to you and I will answer any questions that you have. Hey, that's a good deal. Love it. All right, girl. Well, hey, enjoy, enjoy the rest of your day and we'll talk real soon. Absolutely. Have a great evening. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.